Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Last hour, we were talking about these three different polls that came out, showed a lot of good news for Republicans and Donald Trump. Um, But a little bit of bad news in that the margin, if it's not within the margin of error, the margin for Trump is not good. Like he's down to Biden. And I look at that trend line and I say that indicates that there is a, a knowledge of who Trump is and who Biden is. And even if these things are so bad, people are not going to be willing to pull the lever for him. That's my interpretation of it. Now, we had a caller at the in the last uh, last hour who said that uh, he believed that uh, it was. The media rigging the poll. That's what I mean, that's essentially what he said, that the media is rigging the poll uh, and that the Biden lead over Trump of two points, which I said is within the margin of error. So actually, Trump could be up two points. Right, because that's what the margin of error would dictate if it's a four point MOE. So you could be up for he could be up two, or he could be down six. I don't know. Like, that's just the way margin of error works. And nobody knows. But I look at that trend and I try to draw the larger conclusion. But now we're into the unskewing the polls again. And look, I went down that path. 2015, I was down that path with all of the uh, all of the people on the right that were, you know, unskew the polls and all of that stuff. The polling industry is broken. It is broken. This is why I don't spend a lot of time doing it, because you end up with this. It's all just, oh, well, I don't want to I don't want to believe this one number out of this larger poll. And all I'm asking is to, is it possible that there are people who have been so, you can call it brainwashed, lied to, misinformed, disinformed, right? About all of these different things about Trump, or maybe they just don't like his personality. I don't know. But there are people that really don't don't like him. They don't want another four years of this. And they won't vote for him no matter what. Because that's what that's what some of the analysis indicates from all of these different polls. Um, let me go over here to a couple of emails. This is from uh, do, 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 do this. Let me hang on. Let me scroll back down here to the beginning of them. Um, Mark, Pete, the polls you cite regarding who is better to handle the economy reveal our problem in the question itself. It's not the job of GovCo to handle the economy. Period. That's not what Jefferson stated in the Declaration of Independence. He stated that governments were established to protect our God-given rights. Nowhere in the sacred to some constitute to some constitution is the government charged with handling the economy. It does, however, give unto itself the power to tax. As Justice Marshall stated in McCulloch v. Maryland, the power to tax is the power to destroy. With people thinking it is GovCo's job to return or to run the economy, rather. Um, is it any wonder the economy is screwed up? Keep up the good work. That's from Mark. Um, next up here, this is, uh, I don't, it doesn't say. De, de, Gil, de Gilliland? I don't know. Uh, 
You crack me up, Pete, when polls show that DeSantis is doing poorly. You say, yeah, but the votes haven't been cast. When polls show that Donald Trump isn't beating Biden, you say, hey, listen to the polls. Cognitive dissonance. Did I say listen to the polls? I said I'm, I'm looking at the trend line and drawing a conclusion off of that trend line. The last time I talked about polls was probably, what, two months ago, three months ago? And I talked about, I look at trend lines. We looked at the DeSantis numbers, and I said, what was the number I was looking at? Do you remember? Digilla Land 001, whatever. Do you remember what numbers I was talking about? with DeS- Look, I've already said, I think Trump's probably going to win the, the primary. That's what it looks like. I don't know, but that's what it looks like right now. we got a long way to go, but that's what it looks like. Um, what was the number I was talking about with the last time I did the polling? Approve, disapprove, favorable, unfavorable. And what's the, and I said, I look at those trends. Why? Because that tells you whether people like a candidate or not. And if you have low name ID and lower approval and disapproval numbers or, you know, higher approval than disapproval. But if you have low name ID, the more you have a lot of room to grow because nobody knows who you are yet. And you're able to then introduce yourself. You're able to grow your favorability numbers. And when people know the candidate, Pat McCrory is a good example of this in the Senate race. We talked about this when Pat was running, that people knew who he was in North Carolina. He was a known quantity. There was, and so his numbers, his favorable, unfavorable numbers, they're basically locked in. And look what happened, right? People didn't change their opinion of Pat. They just voted for Ted Budd, who a lot of people didn't know. He had, low, he had a lower name ID than Pat, which means he had more room to make up. He had more room to grow. Those were the numbers I was talking about. Digital land, 001, whatever. Um, let's see here. Uh, Tim, hang on, he sent two emails. I think much of the opposition to Trump comes from white suburban women, that's true, and effeminate men swing voters who are put off by Trump's personality, not his accomplishments. Uh, I'll take mean tweets and a $1.89 gas anytime. I saw that on a t-shirt. Um, by the way, we Southerners have had to endure mouthy know-it-all nor- Northerners since Reconstruction, Tim. Um, is that a shot at Trump? Is that what you mean? Like, that's okay that we can, like, we, we're fine putting up with to endure Donald Trump, the mouthy know-it-all northerner? I, I guess that's what he's talking about. Uh, let me see here. Let me go over to Chris, get him on the program. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Long time hey. later. How are you today? Good. How are you, Chris? Oh, doing good. Uh, the whole Matt Gates thing that's unfolding and uh, kind of like another Panthers game, if you will. We change all the players on the field and we change the coaching staff. <laughs> the same outcome. So my concern is a uh, long-time blue-collar worker. Looking from the 30,000-foot view, the only thing Matt Gates has said that no one else is talking about that really concerns me, there's three of them. We have the de-dollarization, which is very relevant, I think, in today's economics. We have the BRICS countries mm. that are coming together and have doubled in the last few weeks. And then we have the World Economic Forum that's against everybody, middle class and down. Mm-hmm. And nobody seems to be talking about these things from, say, the 30,000-foot view of looking at the new players on the field. Mm. Why is nobody talking about that stuff? 
So partly, well, first off, you're aware of it. People are talking about it, right? That's how you become aware of it. I'm aware of it. Um, I've covered some of those very issues. And I spent the other day talking about the $33 trillion debt, right? I mean, like this is, it's, it's unsustainable. And when you have this kind of inflation, we trace it back to the monetary policy. And when you have the, the, infl- the, the hyperinflation comes next and no society can inflate its way into prosperity. And that's, yeah, that's all part of the globalization argument. Part of the problem is that's a very when you go up to the 30,000 foot level, good luck trying to convince people they can fix that. Although there are a lot of people who think that once they they see the problem, then that's that's enough to solve the problem. But it's not, you know, Um, it's good to see it, but it's also very overwhelming. And this is this is a problem that afflicts a lot of people on the left where it's like I got to save the entire planet by lowering everybody's carbon emissions, that kind of stuff. It's a really big problem, really big issue, and then people get depressed because they can't they can't fix it, and then they try to yeah, force they don't people see any way to get to the yeah to the, to the goal line right. And so, like that's the like Jordan Peterson talks about this. You know, pick up your bedroom before you go try to save the world. Right? Find something. Absolutely. Yeah, find something in your local uh, uh, area that you can affect change in. And I'm, I'm a big believer in this. Right? Start with the house, move to the your block, your neighborhood. Your, your city, your town, right? And you just kind of work out, like join a civic organization. This is the stuff that actually matters, and it is the, it's the muscle of the American body politic. I agree with you. That's why you're such a well-listened to guy. Well, everybody likes listening to your radio. Well, show. not everybody. I appreciate it, though, Chris. Thanks for the kind words. Yep. All right, buddy. Thank Take you. it easy. Yes, sir. No, I, I agree. Like the World Economic Forum stuff, by the way, could you pick a, like a guy that is, I don't know, more of like the villain prototype than that guy Klaus, whatever. <laughs> like he's just he's right at a central casting, right? And you will eat bugs. You'll be happy not owning anything. Yeah. All right. You may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. They got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville, and in October we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. Stan says in an email to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com, Pete, you and I have uh, difficult, uh, this is regarding the polls not making sense. Uh, Pete, you and I have a difficult time sorting out in our minds to make sense out of others when others have varying opinions that are seemingly devoid of logic. Although you'll find varying articles on this, most studies show that a large number of Americans think one-fourth is more than one-third. Oh, for the love of me. Is that true? I mean, I totally believe it's true. (laughs) I totally believe it's true. Uh, This has to explain why most people can look at the Biden economy with all of the inflation, which has hit the working class the hardest, 
And they still believe that Democrats look out more for the middle class. You might have to dumb down your show a little bit if you dare. Stan, I don't think uh, I can. I don't think I can. I mean, anymore, you know. I mean, I'm only, <laughs> I'm only so dumb. Uh, let's go over here to Scott. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. How hey, you doing today? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, just see if you can refresh my memory. All this Trump support and everything. Um, I did support him originally and stuff, but when the Georgia Senate election happened, wasn't he the reason we didn't get, uh, the Republicans didn't get one of those two senators, and then didn't that lead to all the Biden policies being able to push uh, through the Senate? Uh, well, I mean, that is one interpretation of his influence or his impact on that race, absolutely. I mean, that, that is. I mean, and, and people can, there are people that disagree with that, obviously, but that is one of the interpretations of the of the numbers. Okay, because, I mean, I recall him, you know, telling people in Georgia not to even bother voting because he thought it was rigged. And don't vote early. Right. And don't vote early. Yeah, I mean, right, those and things, if, and if people listen to that, then that, yeah, that absolutely could have cost uh, uh, Herschel Walker the race. Uh, and Kelly Loeffler, right? Wasn't she the first one that lost? Yeah. And they only needed one of those uh, yep. to win, to be able to hold off the Biden policies through his first two years. Yeah. No, I, okay. I don't understand Republicans, Trump included, I don't understand Republicans that advise people not to go vote or to not vote early when they're saying you only should go on Election Day. That's just, it's not a smart strategy. Um because if you um, if you get sick, uh, then you can't get to the polls on election day. But you could have gone a week earlier. Um, then that's a vote not cast. I agree. So yeah, I was just wondering uh, if I had that memorized correctly and everything, because I do see that as a reason why a lot of things that we have now can be attributed to that very election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the uh, the so. midterms that we did not see the red wave in, right? Yep. Uh, it, it, yep. The thing I don't understand is. Is uh, I I understand Trump's supporters supporting him. I totally get that. I don't understand the refusal to acknowledge that half the country hates him because they know I mean, Trump. Like I know this right that like there are a lot of people in government that hate him. Right, there are a lot of people on the left that hate yep. him. Obviously, right, Orange Man bad. I talk about it all the time. Trump broke their brain. Like I see all of that. I'm with Trump supporters on all of that, but it's almost like. They, there's not an understanding or there's a refusal to accept that there are a lot of people that are also on the Republican side or in the mushy middle that they feel the same way. And my concern is yeah. that in swing states, they, they are a critical mass, and that's going to block him again. That's my, that's my concern. Especially, I agree with you. I mean, especially independents and the suburban moms. I mean, what has he done in the past four years to change that part, which cost him the election to start with? Yeah. No, I, I asked the same question. And that makes me a Trump hater. All right. No, I appreciate the call, Scott. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here. And this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. 
Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? And, and, and I get this a lot, actually, from people on the left. They go, oh, you're all offended. Like, do you understand how difficult it is to offend me? I, I cannot even remember the last time I've been offended. I just I don't get offended. Um, I'll, so every now and again, I'll get frustrated, but I'm not even like super frustrated, except when talking about my good friend, Ray, he's super frustrating to me. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, Greg says Trump supporters are like everybody's mom who cannot believe that I don't like green beans, not green beans, not string beans, not French green beans. French cut beans, not green bean casserole. They just refuse to believe it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. They say, oh, you'll like my green beans. And I'm like, no, it's not happening. (laughs) Right. That's true. Like, no, no, no. You just need to try it. Like, no, I, I, I have tried it. I've eaten. I've tried all the green bean permutations, not digging the green beans. Oh, well, you haven't tried my green beans. No, you just don't understand the green beans. You're taking the green bean literally, not seriously. You need to. <laughs> uh, all right, let me go over here and get Holly. Hello, Holly. Welcome to the program. Now, easy on the green beans. I love right? green ha- beans are good. They're good for you. I love them. No, I love green right. beans. I was I was just channeling. Yeah, I was just channeling Greg's point. You really want to cause a stir? Tell people you don't like homemade macaroni and cheese. Then you're getting into serious waters. Now, Holly, I will say this is one of the things my wife does not anger easily. Annoy easily, yes, but anger easily, no. But she gets angry when she goes to a restaurant or something and they put on the menu, they'll say mac and cheese or macaroni and cheese. And then what comes out is not macaroni noodles. It's some other kind of pasta with cheese. And her, she's like, that is not macaroni and cheese. That's spirals and cheese or shells and cheese. And people, I mean, we got we got lemon laws in this state, you know? Like, I'm thinking false advertising. Yeah. No, what I wanted to say was, um, you know, as a suburban housewife, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not one of the awful. Um, my, my criminal justice uh, professor reminded us that never to insult the intelligence of your audience. Mm -hmm. And that's a good point for some of the pollsters and stuff that are trying to decide who is MAGA and who is never Trumpers. Mm -hmm. Well, there are are some of us out here that actually give a crap about the country as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I can't support Donald Trump again. And a majority of the people that I know personally have issues with it because we don't believe that he's going to be able to assemble a qualified candidate. I mean, cabinet. Oh, uh, cabinet. Yeah, yeah. If he gets elected, he's going to have one term Mm -hmm. with 91 indictments behind him. How many abject professionals are going to be willing to leave their current positions to go work for him in a cabinet? This was, and this was sort of a catch twenty two he was in initially too, although not to the extent. And I think you're right, not to the extent that we can expect if he wins again. In that, uh, at the because I remember there was a longtime listener 
uh, Monica, who raised this very same point early on, the yeah. very first term was, you know, on the one hand, everybody is saying, uh, don't go work for Trump. Um, but then on the other hand, they're they're criticizing Trump because he can't get people of high quality and these you know people that know the way the system works and stuff. He can't get them to work for him. Meanwhile, everybody's saying don't go there. So, yeah, it was a catch 22, but it would probably be even yeah, more and, pronounced. Oh, yeah. And the first time we ended up with Omarosa, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what, are we, what What's it going to look like this time? I So uh, the other you know, it's a great point. There was an um, interview that Bill O'Reilly did with Tucker Carlson. Uh, on Carlson, oh, I loved uh, it. Yeah, and do you remember what he? Because O'Reilly has known Trump for thirty years or so, and right. uh, I thought it was really interesting. O'Reilly was saying that Trump is all about the deal, right? That's he yeah. just he likes making the deals. That's what motivates him. It always has, and so that's why he was able to get stuff done. He talked about the Remain in Mexico policy that he hammered out, and he, he pressured Mexico into doing that, and he got that deal done. And immigration uh, had, you know, eight. He saw like an eighty percent reduction. He was great on that deal. Um, and then he also highlighted, though, the 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 pro life and the abortion issue, which was the the deal was, you know, I'm going to put these judges in place. They're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, that deal that deal got consummated. It's done. And so when people were confused, wait, why is he attacking the pro lifers now? Why is he yeah. why is he distancing himself? Well, there's no more deal on the table. Right. It was done. So I I thought that was a pretty interesting insight. Yeah, I'm just I'm not uh, I'm not convinced that. I mean, our country needs so much work, so much work. We are so close to judicial insolvency. We really are. I, I just don't feel like he will be able to assemble good quality people. And it's only going to be for four years. And then what? What will he leave us with after four years with a bad cabinet? And I'm going to go so you can take more calls. Have a good day. It's great talking. Thanks, Holly. Yes, I appreciate your call. Thanks so much. Uh, no, it's a fair. That's a fair concern. Um, it was a. It, I heard the same concern. You know, back in in 2016 and 2015 during that um, campaign season too. But again, he was an unknown entity as a politician. I, look, I watched Celebrity Apprentice. My wife and I we used to watch that show all the time. We liked it. We liked the show. I thought it was funny. And like he did, you know, he would give these, uh, you know, uh, business tips and stuff and talk about, you know, branding efforts and all this. I found it interesting and insightful, entertaining. And some of the people he had on there. Um, remember, he had Dennis Rodman go over to North Korea and all this. And people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like I could. I watched Celebrity Apprentice. He's got a soft spot in his heart for Dennis Rodman. He likes Dennis Rodman. And Rodman likes him. So that kind of makes sense. Um, it made sense to me at the time. Like, I, I, I don't, uh, I try to approach Donald Trump and assess what I'm seeing, you know, in, a, in as objective of, uh, of a fashion as I can, knowing that everybody's got their biases. I, like, I grew up in New York. I remember him for my, my entire life growing up. He was in the newspapers all the time, his fights with Leona Helmsley, all of that stuff, right? So, I had an opinion of him, but it wasn't like as a politician. Then he became one. And he is one now. And you may not, he's even admitted that. So I'm not saying anything that's insulting. He said he is one now. I mean, begrudgingly, he was like, I don't know, maybe I'm a politician now. Like, yeah, I go. Because he has these moments sometimes, and it's like the most. The most real, it's like he like where he's he's almost there to connect with people. And he does. 
he has these like these these moments where it's like I don't know, and he kind of like turns introspective. And he kind of asks himself the question as he's riffing, you know, just doing off the top of his head, extemporaneous uh, kind of riffing. And he'll he'll do this self-introspection or self-examination, rather. And that's, like, to me, that's where you get a window into who he is. A um, couple of other messages. This from Joseph. Uh, Pete, my only question is, how do people like Biden over Trump? To me, they seem like the same type of person. <laughs> uh, so when people won't vote for Trump because of his personality, I am baffled. It makes me think it has nothing to do with Trump and more something inside the person who is voting. Well, so a couple of things. If you're looking at the last election cycle, uh, Joe Biden had a you know carefully crafted and protected identity as this empathetic guy. Remember, he ran his campaign during COVID from his basement, and he just let Trump dominate all the news cycles. The belief being Trump was his own worst enemy. So just keep Joe Biden, you know, secreted away in a, in a basement and uh, come across as the, the, you know, oh, that's just old Uncle Joe, you know, sniffing hair and such. And, uh, oh, the, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't harm a fly. Oh, he's so nice and, you know, sympathetic towards people. Now that we have four years of him, I think there are people that have been disabused of that notion, but a lot of media coverage doesn't, they, they, they don't hammer him the way they are still protecting him in a way that they would never do so for Trump, but any Republican really. So yes, there's always a higher uh, hurdle for the Republicans to clear Trump included uh, in that regard. So I think there are some people that now have had their eyes open somewhat to Joe Biden uh, but probably not a lot because a lot of the mainstream media outlets are not covering, for example, the bribing Biden crime family stuff. They're not they're just not even doing the stories. And if they do, it's oh, it's just Republican smear campaign. And he loves his son. That, that's it. That's the extent of the coverage. So uh, I don't know. Maybe the messaging breaks through if you had a Republican that also went into a basement. Like if I wonder I do wonder, like if. If Trump were to adopt the same campaign strategy as Biden had in 2020, might he be more successful? Stay off social media, stay off the campaign trail. Like, don't just don't even do anything. Well, except go to court. But like, just don't even do anything and let Biden dominate and let everybody focus on that. I don't know. But I don't know. There are there's a lot of there is just a lot of uh, baggage with Donald Trump and. Uh, when you say people who won't vote for Trump because of his personality, I am baffled. It's not it, it's it's not just the it's not just the personality. And I, I'm going to say this and I know I'm going to anger Trump supporters, but I'm going to say it because like if you don't ever if you've never put your finger on it, I'm going to tell you what it is. People don't like being embarrassed by their candidates. They don't. They don't they don't like having to. And this happens, by the way, you guys know this. You know it because you say it when you talk about how people respond in polls. And this has been borne out. People would lie to pollsters, right? They say that they're not going to support Trump when they do. Now we're seeing people willing to support Trump that don't want to say it and vice versa, right? People are, people lie to pollsters and they're going to lie. It's one of these things. And this has been going on, by the way, for decades, which is whenever somebody wins the presidency, all of a sudden, the people who claim that they voted for that person <laughs> is much higher than the votes they actually received, you know, 
because people want to be perceived as being part of the crowd. So that's that's part of the phenomenon. All right, uh, let me go and get Bruce on here before the uh, break. Hello, Bruce. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hey. Uh, I, I like your show. I have to disagree with you. I truly feel that the fact that Kelly Loeffler got caught doing insider trading mm. during the campaign yeah. led to her losing. I also feel that, you know, when Trump looked at it, if I'm not mistaken, Kemp got in because of him. And then the Secretary of State told Kemp how to do the, uh, the election. And the Secretary of State, on his tax returns, shows $3 million from China. And how do we believe it? Maybe everything was correct. How do we believe it when the Secretary of State running the election has money from China? Three million, not just money, three million. So, and when you say that so, the uh, embarrassment, hold on, yeah. when you say the embarrassment yeah. of Trump, we have Joe Biden who backed Hakeem Jeffries who uh, is a uh, Louis Farrakhan disciple. Mm-hmm. And he has said that I like Louis Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. He backed Byrd, who was a member of the KKK. Mm-hmm. Yet they voted for him. I don't think embarrassment comes up in this conversation. So do you remember what I said when I said, I'm going to tell you what the reason is and you're not going to believe it? And I don't believe uh, There you I go. Gave That's you my point. As to why I no, but you're missing. But Bruce, I understand your point. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not understanding mine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like I understand your point. You're you're saying that Biden endorsed these other guys and these are terrible guys. But I said that the candidate embarrasses, not the candidate supports other people that might be embarrassing. And by the way, you are more informed about who uh, Biden has endorsed and, and lent support to than probably most voters. I think most voters wouldn't even know who Hakeem Jeffries even is, you know, but you do. I do. They don't know who Farrakhan is. You do. I do. People know directly who Donald Trump is. And that's the person that they're being asked to vote for, not the person that the guy they're voting for or against endorsed, uh, got an endorsement from. Like, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a third party. It's removed. 